Thanks for tuning in to the Crew at UGA podcast. We are so glad to have you with us. Crew exists to call students to know God, grow in their faith, and go to the world. If you would like to get more connected with Crew at UGA, or if we can help you in any way at all, go to the show notes and click on the link, or follow us on Instagram at Crew at UGA. All right, let's get started. different from the rest of you. I'm, not, I'm a little bit older. I have been here for quite a while. As I said, I've been with crew time now for 35 years. I've been at UGA. I think this is my 12th year here in Athens. Um, and there's really just no better place to be than right here. I, uh, I love what we get to do. And I love that we get to do it here on Tuesday night with you guys. Um, and so I kind of give overall leadership all this crew thing that we have going on, and I hope to get to know a lot of you. But there's also some other people here I would love for you to get to know. Because we we have a team of people, it's not just me, but we have a team of some full-time staff and also some interns with our ministry and also some people we call student staff who are, as you would think, still students, but actually work together with our staff team kind of as as a job. And so if you're one of those staff or interns or student staff, would you stand and just... I just want people to see you. Um, There you go. And so they're scattered around. Okay. I I didn't do that so you would applaud for them. They are awesome and they are deserving of that. But what I do want you to do is if you saw some of those people standing up around, go and introduce yourself to them tonight. Or if you have questions or you're not clear on something for the rest of the night, those are great people to help you. And they would love to meet you as well, just like I would. Um, We get here every Tuesday night at 8 o'clock, and some of you are here for the very first time. Um, It's a little different from a church. We do love to come together and worship. We like to to read from the Bible and just kind of hear what God will say for us us and to us. We love to be together, Um, and it's just a great time on campus during the week that that we can do that. Um, And tonight, I get to kind of kick us off for the year and say, what would the Lord have to say to us? tonight. Um, And I'm going to do that by telling a story. It's a story that's so good, it's actually in the Bible twice. Um, And the two accounts that are in the Bible are in two different of what we call Gospels, which are kind of the full accounts of Jesus's life, of which there are four. Now, the fact that there are multiple Gospels or accounts of his, the fact that there are multiple versions of this story is not a problem. Because what that really is doing is not contradicting each other. It's, it's giving you multiple perspectives, just like any number of people. If you saw an auto accident, they would go kind of interview different people who saw it, and you would see cutting out, right? Uh-oh, I might have a battery problem or something. We'll see. Um, if uh, you saw a different, you know, if different people saw that event happen and you interviewed them all, they would all describe the event truthfully, but they might have different perspectives. And that's exactly what's going on when you hear different versions of the story. As well, you get different versions of the story that might say slightly different things because Jesus probably told it more than once. You know, I get to do a fair amount of public speaking. And um, I will tell you, as you probably already know, no one who does public speaking tells a story only once. We tell them over and over and over again, different audiences, different talks, and we reuse entire talks. And Jesus did that too. And he would give 
different illustration at a different time to a different group of people, and he would do that multiple times. And, um, and that was very common. Are you going to give me that as a backup? Okay, thanks. So tonight we're going to read this story. And it's a story about a banquet. I'm going to read to you from Luke 14. But the other place that this story happens is in Matthew 22. And if you have a Bible, you want to look at it. If not, you'll find it on the screen up here. And you'll see the words that are going on there. Um, and so here's how the story begins. One Sabbath, when Jesus eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee, he was being carefully watched. And when one of those at the table with him heard this, he said to Jesus, Blessed is the man who will eat at the feast in the kingdom of God. And Jesus replied, A certain man was preparing a great banquet, and he invited many guests. And at the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, Come, for everything is now ready. But they, all alike, began to make excuses. And the first said, I just bought a field, and I have to go see it, so please excuse me. And another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen, and I'm on my way to try them out, please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married, I can't come. Then the servant came back and reported this to the master. And the owner of the house became angry. And he ordered his servant, Go out quickly to the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. Sir, the servant said, what you ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and into the country lanes and make them come in so that my house will be full. I tell you, not one of those men who are invited will get a taste of my banquet. And there's a story. This kind of story, by the way, is called a parable. And it sounds like the word parallel because that's what a parable is. It's kind of a parallel story. It's a, it's a story that parallels something in real life. And Jesus did this all the time. He told stories like that. And it's important that we notice the very first verse we read when it said that Jesus was in this place with a group of people called Pharisees. If you don't know who those are, those are kind of the super religious people of the day. They were the ones who, who did all the right religious things, who made sure all the rules were kept. And Jesus often sparred with them. Because they were very resistant to the message of hope and salvation that he was giving for various reasons, which we'll talk about in a minute. But it's important to remember that that was the setting in which the story was told. All I'm going to do tonight is I'm going to just make a few simple observations that I think are very instructive for us. And here's the first one that I would make. The first one is simply this. A relationship with God is like a feast. And I think you can see that in the way these stories begin. In 14, as we just, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. There's the great banquet. In the Matthew version, it gets more specific. It says the kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So there's this idea that this banquet is being prepared. It's not a small event. This is a big deal. This is a lavish feast. It's a banquet that's important. And you'll see kind of how it's described in the Matthew version. It says that there was fatted cattle and oxen. That's like for us saying that there's going to be filet mignon and creme brulee. It's, just, it's a way of saying there's going to be such an abundance at this feast. And it's a wedding banquet. 
in the Matthew account, and in an honor-shame culture like there, a wedding banquet was the pinnacle of honor. If you ran out of food at a wedding banquet, that was the worst thing possible. And a wedding banquet was an incredible place of honor for the host. This was as sumptuous as it gets. And that is how a relationship with God is described. That is pointing to what it means to know God. It's a feast. It's a banquet. Now, it might be kind of eye-opening for some of you. Some of you may have kind of grown up in a background where that's not really how you thought a relationship with God would be described. You might think of a relationship with God as something more like, oh, God's like this heavenly policeman who tells you to behave or you get arrested or thrown in jail or something like that. But no, that, that's not how it's described. Jesus himself comes in and says, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who threw a wedding banquet. The kingdom of heaven is a great banquet. A relationship with God is like a feast. Now, there's lots of places actually in scripture that say, I'm not making this up. For instance, look here. Here's Psalm 34. It says, taste and see that the Lord is good. I like that. Taste. Taste and see. Um, full disclosure, I'm a foodie. Okay? You know on the app, you get on Yelp or Travel Advisor and people like rate the restaurant four or five stars. Something, and you're kind of like, who are these people that take the time to do this? I am. I'm, I'm the guy who does that. I, I, love, I, I love going out. I'm a foodie. I, I love to cook. Um, I just... I love that, and that verse speaks to me because the idea of tasting, taste and see. It's not just you're reading about it. It's not just like you heard about it somewhere. You're experiencing it. You're tasting the goodness of it. Taste and see. In other words, come experience the Lord. Come be with Him. Let Him be in your life. Actually taste of Him, and you will see it's good. He's good. Or how about this one? This is Isaiah 55. It says, Come, all you who are thirsty, come to the waters. Come, you who have no money, come buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money, without cost. Why spend your money on what is not bread and your labor on what does not satisfy? Listen, listen to me. Eat what is good and your soul will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Hear me that your soul may live. You see what this is saying? It's a feast. It's a feast in the sense that a relationship with God, it makes us whole. It completes us. It's delightful. It brings joy and happiness. And it's really fulfilling. In other words, it makes us more human. It's satisfying. It brings life. On and on and on. This is, this is how a relationship with God gets described. It's a feast. It's like a banquet. There's so much good to be had. It's so rich. And here's the second observation. To this feast, everyone is invited. Now, at first, and I'm sure in this scene it would be too, but our expectation would probably be that the ones who are really invited are the super religious people. It's the people who have like, gone to church, and they've done all the things, and they've gone on the mission trips, and they've, they've done all the super religious things. And we think, well, those people, they're kind of like the God people, but I'm just not that. And so I'm just not sure what to do with this. No, everyone's invited. If there's one thing that comes out through the story it is that over and over and over again, everyone is invited, right? The master, 
invites the super religious people, but they won't come. And so he says, so go out in the, in the roads and the highways and the byways. Go out in the fields and just invite them all. Bring them into my house so they can be honored and they can enjoy this feast. And that's the invitation for us. It doesn't matter what your skin color is. It doesn't matter what your socioeconomic background is. It doesn't matter who your parents were. It doesn't matter where you were born or what language you speak or what your criminal record is. Everyone is invited. It's that kind of and here's the third one. We are called to think carefully about our response. So let me ask you this. Said a parable is a parallel story. It's a story that kind of runs alongside real life. And so the characters in this story probably point to some of us, probably point to our life. So who are you? Are you the servant? The master has told you, go out and invite people, bring them into the feast. And you're the servant. You know the master. You know he's good. You know what he's like. And so you do what he says. And then you're kind of surprised to find out not everybody wants to come to the feast. And so some people reject you. And some people discourage you. And some people may even hate you and try to kill you. Because perhaps the fact that you keep inviting them kind of exposes the guilt of them not wanting to come. Or for whatever reason. And you go back and you tell the master. And then what does he do? You're tempted to quit and the master sends you back out again to keep inviting. Invite more and more and more. And you see this in the story. They come back and the master says, well, go out and get even more. There's still room. Get even more. Keep inviting. And that's what the servant is told to do over and over and over again until the feast is full and the sun is on it. Which, by the way, we are passionate about inviting people into the feast. But think about it that way. We go out and we tell people about our faith in God. And, and some people think, oh, you know, that's kind of pushy or maybe you shouldn't be so forward or something like that. But seriously, if you saw a starving person on the street and there was a feast inside, would you not kind of do everything you could to get that person to go in? I mean, if you said there's a feast inside and that person was like, no, no, I don't want to. Wouldn't you kind of like grab that person's arm and say, no, really, come on, there's a feast. Of course you would. And that's just kind of what this is, is that we have a feast in a relationship with God. And to invite someone to that is to urge them basically to accept a great gift. That's really what the inviting is. And so, are you the servant? Then keep inviting. What about you? Are you the person who refuses to come? You know, this is how they get uh, described. Um, in Matthew it says, But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. Or in Luke, remember the way they get described, it says, But they all alike began to make excuses. And the first said, Well, I just bought this. The second person said, oh, I just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, I just got married. I can't come. Right? How would you describe what's happening here? Here you have people looking at the king's invitation, gold-edged, embossed, and then they decide they have more important things to do. Let me ask you this. Let's suppose one day you're getting married and you invite all of your best friends to the wedding. And then the people you invite say, I can't come because there's a game on that I want to watch. Or, I have to go shopping. How would that make you feel? 
what would that tell you about what your friends thought about you? You see, this is kind of what's happening here. They're getting invited and they make excuses, right? Are you this person? You know, are, this happens every year. There's always one or two people in here because you promised your parents that you would go to at least one Christian meeting and you decide you'd go the first week to get it out of the way. Welcome to crew. Glad you're here. But we're going to make you think a little bit. Are you this person? Are you the person who's been invited to a feast, but you're choosing to eat white bread in some back alley somewhere? You have an invitation that you need to seriously consider. Are you saying no because it's more important to you to be accepted to some certain friend group and you think this is not a good look? Are you saying no because you've been invited but you're more concerned with getting on the success track or something like that and you think it's going to interfere? See, you have a choice in front of you. You have a great invitation here to feast. But you think about that response. Or how about this? Are you the person that gets thrown out? Okay, I cheated here. Actually, this is in the Matthew version of the story that we didn't read, but it's very interesting. If you read the Matthew version, Jesus says at this feast, there's a person at the feast who they find him and he's not wearing wedding clothes. In other words, he's not dressed to participate in the event. And he gets thrown out. You're thinking, wait a minute, what is that all about? Well, again, remember the context. We said that Jesus was telling this story in the midst of some super religious people called Pharisees. And basically the idea here is He's saying there's a certain kind of person who thinks they're at the feast, but in actuality, they're not. They're there on their own terms. They're not there to honor the Son. And for those people, they cannot partake in the feast because they're not willing to accept the invitation that the Son is giving. They're there on their own terms. A lot of us have a tendency to do that. We kind of trust in all the good things we do and our religious things or the, our, our behavior or something like that. I still remember, gosh, this might have been 10 years ago, I was sitting outside of Creswell with a student, first week of school, almost 10, week, 10 years ago to the week, I think, and I was talking with this student and I was just talking to him about having a relationship with God and what would he say if God was sitting right here and said, why should I let you have a relationship with me? And he said, well, I, I went on a lot of mission trips when I was in high school. And I was like, well, exactly how many mission trips do you think you have to go on to make God happy? He didn't like that question very much. But a lot of us do that, right? We tend to think, oh, I just do all the right things. But no, it's, it's not like that. We're invited to the feast regardless of that. Because you might be the kind of person who has received an invitation, but you don't know what to make of it. Because it's just so strange and new. And this is part of the story that I love the most. Because you see what happens as Jesus tells this. He says the, the invitations go out, but the self-centered people and the proud people and the churchy people, they don't come. But who does? It's the people from the country lanes. It's the poor. And in Matthew, it has this interesting phrase. It says both the good and bad. I like that. Both the good and bad. The idea here is not that you were only invited because these other people didn't come. We know that's not the meeting because over and over he talks about how much room there is at the feast. There's room for everybody. The point is, everyone gets invited. And it doesn't matter who you are. Good and bad. You don't have to go first morally clean yourself up. And you may be thinking, you don't understand, Al. I've been hooking up with my girlfriend for two years. 
you're invited. And you're like, I, you don't understand. I have an eating disorder. You're invited. Or you say, I've been getting drunk every weekend, and I just can't seem to stop. You're invited. Everyone's invited. There's nothing that keeps you out of the feast. We're all invited. None of us deserve to be there. There is no bid day to this feast. We are all invited. The doors are wide open. And maybe you're that person who doesn't know what to make of this. But it's not too good to be true. Here's the message, really, to all of us. Come and taste. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Come to the feast. Come and experience Him. You know, maybe you're a little skeptical. Maybe this is still kind of strange to a few of you in the room. But sign up for a community group. Give it a shot. Meet us. Hear people's stories. Get to know God. Maybe you have questions about this whole God thing. That's fine. You know what? On that card that the, the MCs mentioned earlier, there's a little box on there at the bottom that says, kind of new to this whole God thing, but wouldn't mind having a conversation. If that's you, just check that box. Someone will text you. Maybe you can have lunch. Just a conversation. No commitment there. But we just let, love to hear your story. We'd love to have that conversation with you about what this feast is like. And honestly, that's really what we're doing here tonight. See, this is who we are. This is crew. If you really had to boil it down, we are a bunch of undeserving people, good and bad, in the highways and byways of life who got invited to a feast. And we went. We are kind of like beggars telling other beggars where to find a banquet. And so we can't help but want to invite other people too. Does that sound good to you? If it does, come run with us. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you are so good. And we praise you, God. You are good. Lord, we sing these worship songs because we have tasted and we have seen that you are good. And so, Father, I do pray that tonight, um, if there are any who have not tasted and seen, if there are any here to whom this invitation sounds too good to be true or sounds strange, Lord, that you would open, open the door. Lord, that they would experience you, that they would be able to taste and see. Father, I pray for us this year, as a group, as a family, as a ministry, that if, if there is one thing that would be said about us, it is that we are a people who love God because he's amazing. Lord, just let that be true of us, I pray. I pray you would dwell so much in our midst, that we would see your goodness so deeply, that we would experience it so clearly, or that we could not help but be ecstatic at just about how good you are and how amazing you are, and that that would be what characterizes us. Father, I pray that for those who are new here tonight, Lord, that you would invite them in, that they would accept this invitation, that you would give them brothers and sisters with whom to run, with whom to have relationship. And if this is not the place for them, Lord, lead them to the place that, that is the best place for them to experience you. But I do pray, Lord, that you would have all the worship that you are due. Thank you so much for your invitation to the feast. We are undeserving, all of us, sinful men and women. And yet, through the cross of Jesus Christ, we get to come to you. Praise your name. Hear these worship songs tonight as our response. Amen.